Hey everyone, this is Aaron. I will be taking a vacation, at least from podcasting for a while. I hope you enjoy these rebroadcast episodes from our Hall of Fame archives. Welcome to the E-Success Methods Podcast with Jacob and Aaron, your source for expert advice on Lean, Six Sigma, and performance improvement methods. In this episode number 13, part 3 of 4, we reveal the path to choosing leading metrics for projects over the more common lagging business metrics. We illustrate two tools that can be used to scope down to more leading metrics for your projects. Hey, Jacob, how you doing? I'm great, Aaron. How are you? Jacob, I'm doing great. I'm glad that we're back. Uh, me too. Today we're going to talk about leading versus lagging metrics, um, and this is the third part in our series on measuring the right stuff of uh, choosing good project metrics. And uh, just a quick recap of what we covered the last time. We really went through the differences between uh, first pass yield and rolled throughput yield and uh, went through the definitions of those uh, and try to indicate the, uh, try to uh, uncover the hidden waste associated with typical business metrics of first pass yield um, and defective um, measurements um, and how difficult it can be to uh, push on the quote-unquote more accurate uh, metrics of rolled throughput yield, DPU, and DPMO because of the, the tricky math involved. Uh, and today we're going to talk more about you know, why business metrics don't necessarily make good project metrics um, because business metrics are typically lagging and good project metrics are leading. What do you mean by leading and lagging? You're confusing me now. So something that lags means falling behind. It means that once you um, have that metric, it's already too late to fix it. So you don't have time to adjust, um, to make an adjustment like a lagging, lagging metric, business metric. Say you look at a, a business metric quarterly. That quarter is already over. Um, a lot of financial metrics are based on that. They are, it is too late to steer the ship in the right direction by the time you see that metric. Uh, leading metric gets closer to the process level, closer to where the actual work is getting done. Um, it's not an exact match to the business metric, but it is one, maybe one of several um, leading metrics uh, that are inputs into that lagging metric. And we're going to go through uh, some examples so, to make that a little bit more clear. Sounds like a plan. All right, so what are some examples of some typical business metrics that are out there. Oh, I would say if you're a business that's into delivering products, on-time delivery is something that's going to be key. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? I've seen customer satisfaction, so some sort of a rating scale or some feedback forms that's going to the customer. Uh, what else is going on? Um, if it's a man- purely manufacturing facility, you probably, for the Operation side, you might look at first pass yield, or mm-hmm. like we talked last time, roll throughput yield. If somebody's smart enough to do that, mm-hmm. uh, what else? Again, for safety reasons, I guess some people keep an eye out for, you know, workplace days lost or things of that sort. You touched on the safety. You touched on some of the typical operations, and then there's, you know, each each area of a business has typically has some metrics. So, true, true, you true. know, sales would have like uh, either. Uh, repeat sales, or um, you know, that's that. How many how many customers bought more than once? That's a that's not just a good indicator of of uh, good salesmanship, but also it's actually an indicator of quality. Um, uh, you know, if a customer is willing to buy more than once, 
um, net promoter score, which is kind of like a customer satisfaction um, score. And then there might be some new product development uh, metrics. Well, this one is typical. New product percent of overall sales, and that's like on a uh, certain percent of revenue came from products that are you know less than five years old. And now, I mean, talk about a talk about a lagging metric. You know, we're looking at five years time, five years in the past to the present um, to see you know how how mu- how much of an innovative company we are. So these, in my opinion, everything you've mentioned, these are common business metrics, and they're all lagging. All of them are too late to steer the ship um, for some sort of course correction. So, but, so what you're seeing by lagging is the fact that these things have already happened, and even by the time you say, for example, you're looking at end of first quarter metrics because most of the business metrics are based on quarter mm-hmm. or month end at least. You know, you've already done the damage for the month. By the time you look at this metric, or you've already done the damage for the quarter. Mm-hmm. hoping it's damaged. It might be great for all you know, but don't right. get me wrong. But you don't know what's happening till the end of the quarter or till the end of the month or till the end of the period that you're looking for. And right. and you might, you know, by the time you start analyzing and looking at these things and start to make decisions on it, you might be losing more time. So exactly. at the same time, you're also producing what you're supposed to be or doing what you're supposed to be doing. So the issues are still cropping up and you just don't have a way to address them right so for the say you know if these uh, metrics were quarterly metrics for about a month into the next quarter you still haven't changed your behaviors you know while you're you know drawing up your plans on how you want to do things differently and you you've just added another 30 percent of much of the same onto the next quarter and um, so it's really hard to change direction by these lagging metrics and you really need to get back to what we talked about once before is y equals f of x. Getting to the inputs, getting to those those knobs that actually uh, control um, these lagging indicators, and um, we're calling those leading indicators for for lack of better term. I mean, I think you can also call them as inputs, right? Inputs to what you're finally looking at, and right? Kind of like what you refer to y is equal to f of x. And I know we've talked about this briefly before. What we mean by y is equal to f of x is your output is a sum of the function of all the inputs going into the process. So, like, uh, let's get back to our pizza. Yeah, let's you know, do that. Let's, uh, let's do a y equals f of x of on-time delivery of pizza. Late delivery. Okay. Let's do, uh, I don't know, let's, let's do a, a bit of a five y's. Why or what could affect the late delivery? There could be um, traffic. Yep. Right? There could be um, uh, it started late, like they didn't yep. start making it on time. Um, we had a big backlog of orders coming in at the same time, so we had to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we probably did not keep our ingredients ready, or we didn't do enough prep early in the day. Right? Yeah, maybe maybe we uh, maybe we uh, the hand tossing we maybe one of the hand tossers called out sick, so uh-huh. we only had one hand tosser in there. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we made it wrong the first time. And put anchovies instead of pepperoni on it. Oh, yeah, the one you like the most. <laughs> uh, or, or for all you know, you know, the oven that we needed to cook was not heating up to the temperature we wanted it to. Mm-hmm. So it mm-hmm. was taking longer to process it. We right. couldn't hit a right temperature. Right. So those are all potential inputs to uh, impact on-time delivery of that pizza. So in other words, say, let's take one of them as an example. 
you might want to say if, if the oven temperature is something that's critical, you want to always monitor and make sure your oven's at 325 or 450, whatever temperature you say, so that if at some point you have a range, if it's going below 425 or it's going below 300, you're still going to say, oh, I'm going to have problems now. I'm going to be starting to have results in delayed pizzas because now I have to cook these for longer. So that's what you're calling as a leading indicator. Exactly right. You can course correct on changing the temperature of the uh, of that oven um, early on so that you don't have to risk a late delivery um, so you have to give that pizza away for free. Yep, because otherwise you would have seen it only at the time of delivery. Oh, I'm more later for this delivery. Now you already can prepare. So maybe when you're even taking the order, you can say, today it's not going to be 15 minutes, it's going to be 25 minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, you're already, you're already, if that's your business model, then you right. can already feed it into that. Right, right. Make sense? Okay. okay, cool. All right, so you know when we're talking about uh, a Six Sigma project, we do want to drill down more into the um, leading metric, and there's a number of ways to do this. If, if you happen to have, um, you know, think a bit of a Pareto, you want to get down to the, the critical few that um, really drive uh, that lagging metric. Um, so let's let's go again for uh, percent on time delivery, um, just just in general. Um, I apologize for all the fire trucks going around. Sorry, guys. Yeah, that's the uh, the wonders of Chicago. <laughs> yeah, we're we're uh, <laughs> you did warn me about that before, and like I think we've heard it almost every time now. Pretty much, yeah, I live right on the one way street where the fire truck has to go by, so. <laughs> I don't. I don't hear it anymore. To be honest, it's except when I'm conscious that the others might be listening to it. Doesn't wake you up at night? <laughs> Absolutely not. First two days, yes. After that, no. Ah, uh, lucky you. All right. So, um, you know, uh, in general, percent on time delivery um, could very much be af- affected by turnaround time or throughput time through the process. Right, the time it takes to produce uh, one piece from order to delivery. Uh, and this is not the same as cycle time, which is only machine time. So we'll we'll put that to the side. Throughput time and cycle time are not the same. Uh, percent on time start. Percent equipment uptime. If your if your equipment is not running, you're not likely to uh, reach your demand. Uh, percent in process yields. We kind of alluded that with the with the pizzas. Um, inventory levels. Order entry error rate. Uh, that's mistakes on the order entry side. And here's an overlooked one sometimes. Percent supplier conformance and logistics reliability, both incoming and outgoing. That's uh, that's one that I've been bitten by a few times. Okay, so those are some examples of, of some leading metrics and uh, a couple good ways of finding out what's uh, leading versus lagging or to drill down from lagging to leading. I've looked at uh, a couple different tools. One being the force field analysis. Um, so for on-time delivery, what are the aspects of on-time delivery that are working against me achieving my on-time delivery percentage? That's a good way to look at it. Yep. Right. So it, basically all those leading indicators I just mentioned, it's the, the, the poor performance of each one of those leading indicators can push against the uh, drive for on-time delivery, poor throughput time, late starts, low yields, inadequate inventory, order entry errors, uh, raw material back order, right? Yeah. And maybe for the folks who've not really seen what a force field analysis or a force field diagram is, it's mainly two sides to a wall that's pushing each other that balances or keeps the balance in play. So what's 
you know, like Aaron mentioned, on-time delivery is trying to push the wall to the right. What might be the things that stops the wall from being pushed to the right or being better or increasing are all the input characteristics that could work against this idea or this concept of improving on-time delivery. And right. what is that? And depicting that in a picture is what's known as a force field analysis or a force field diagram. It has its roots in uh, mechanical engineering statics, statics and dynamics of uh, yeah. moments of inertia and all that other stuff that uh, I had to take twice in college. <laughs> <laughs> and if you, if people are still not clear on how this might be represented, please refer to the show notes so we have, we have a sample of this shown in there. That's right. You are listening to E6S Methods Podcast, brought to you by E6S Industries. Join us on our website at www.e6s-methods.com. Journey through success. This episode of the E6S Methods Podcast is brought to you by me. That's right. No one is paying me for these podcasts, not even you. So do me a favor. Go to my website and check it out. If you see something you like and you can use, buy it. If you don't see anything you like, then don't buy it. But do send me a message and let me know what you would buy if it were available. Go ahead and check us out at www.e6s-methods.com. Thanks a lot. Okay, so what about uh, so we talk about on-time delivery, which is one common business metric. What about another common first-pass yield, or if we're in a great company, rolled throughput yield? All right. Uh, Opportunities to make a mistake is something. Maybe in-process yield is something we can add there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, standard work. Do we have standard work? Is the training effective for the standard work? Is maybe another thing I would like to include. Oh yeah. Yep. Your people. Mm-hmm. Mm, let's say your preventive maintenance. Are you actively maintaining your parts? Do you have a schedule? Do you have a, uh, you know, or is it being followed to the expectations you have or the standards you want to be? Yeah, you yeah. know, that that's a good point there because we often measure on time, percent on time preventative maintenance, but does anybody really know why we're measuring it? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's not because we just love doing maintenance. It's because maintenance is what keeps these things up and running so that we can hit our long-term lagging metric. Yep. Um, and one of the other ones, I think you alluded to earlier, is for first pass yield, it's definitely going to be what's what's going into this product or what's starting with the product. So suppliers, mm-hmm. whatever they're providing us, is that as acceptable quality we're getting? Are we getting a whole bunch of bad parts early on? If that's the case, then that can lead us to having first pass yield issues. So kind of looking at what's our incoming supplier conformance. You know, one of the key things which get overlooked a lot of times is the capability of the gauge. Uh, gauge R&R, a measurement system analysis, uh, can sometimes also lead to uh, first pass yield. Again, it's not necessarily that the gauge is bad. It could be that your measurement system on how you're taking these measurements or how you're looking at it. Right. So constantly making sure um, the items you need for uh, these gauge measurements or these standards that you're trying to compare against or test against, they are all within a particular acceptable level. You can do some sort of a analysis to make sure that they are also in play. Mm-hmm. Right, you're right, because gauge R&R doesn't necessarily mean a bad gauge um, or bad process. It, it could be leading to, it just could be a high variability and leading to false failures. Um, 
Okay, and then there's always, um, you know, how good is the design that came in um, oh, yeah. before any of the processes were even developed? How robust is that design? Because uh, if something is poorly designed, uh, it's kind of you, you can hit your entitlement at uh, without really reaching uh, very good yields at all. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And what's entitlement again? It's the best you've ever done or you could do without changing the process. Right, and you can look at these, um, you know, rather than force field analysis, also a, a, a snapshot of a, a fishbone diagram, uh, much the same way. What are those leading indicators that uh, contribute to a positive uh, lagging indicator? And the only different, real difference between um, force field analysis and a fishbone diagram is the force field analysis is just uh, anti metrics uh, opposing each other and the fishbone is they're all pro um, arrows going in the same direction mm-hmm. yeah and then uh, real quick you know uh, keeping on the safety days lost time you know what are the factors um, or indicator other indicators that you could use to predict whether or not you're going to have days uh, lost time and that goes back to training effectiveness again possibly in standard work how well are people trained in the safety uh, usage use of machine um, percent hazard evaluation, you know, if each 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 piece of machinery or area, um, when you have a safety program, uh, should be evaluated for hazards, uh, job hazard risk score, um, and again, on-time preventative maintenance, because maintenance isn't just um, for quality uh, and productivity, it, it's also critical for safety. So, Aaron, I, you know, this is something that I have to deal with on a regular basis, like you suggested, most of the metrics or business metrics are always geared towards the lagging indicators because that's what everybody deals with. Mm-hmm. But we you know we are recommending always have a couple of leading indicators that help you drive the lagging indicator clearly. Right. Uh, what is the appropriate number of these leading indicators? Because I've been working with teams a lot nowadays. They feel like they want to measure anything and everything they can. And there has to be some sort of a a number or, there, you know, you don't want, yes, having the data is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Having as much data is great. But when do you say enough is enough? Right. right. That is a good, a good question. And, um, you know, in my expectation, um, management will still look at the lagging indicators. Yep. And those, and then. And, um, you know, each department should provide management with those lagging lagging indicators. But each level in the hierarchy drills that down into something more controllable on their level. Um, Or they should do that. (laughs) Yeah, should. Yeah, shoulda, coulda. Right. So with each step you go down in the organization, you should get closer and closer to a leading um, indicator. Now, there could be multiple levels of this. You know, some of these lagging indicators are, you know, are worldwide um, metrics. You know, like uh, yeah, annual reports. That's about as yep, lagging yep. as you can get, right? Yep, yep, um, yep. Absolutely. And those are aggregate of more, quote-unquote, more leading indicators of everything else that happened in the world, which is aggregates of everything that happened, you know, in each individual, individual countries. Uh, and you keep drilling down eventually to the process level. And if you get these down to enough leading indicator for an operator on a daily basis, 
to know how the that process is supposed to be running, and that gets into standard work, and it gets into uh, you know uh, uh, control plans. Uh, but but you know SPC charts; those are leading indicators of early warnings that of things that could eventually affect on-time delivery. Yeah, you know, and you know, speaking of SPC charts, I have to bring this up now. You know, we've seen cases where again you're doing SPC charts on results that you measured after doing everything mm-hmm. else. Done, right, right. You know, got done. So again, SPC charts, if not used the appropriate way, still ends up being a lagging indicator, not necessarily a leading indicator. That is that is a really good point. You know, uh, <laughs> hey, let's see how our SPC did last month. It's a complete waste yeah. of time. Don't bother. Exactly. <laughs> I know, except for when your customer really wants to see it. I understand we have reports yep. to make, but you're right. You're right. Uh, point by point, real time SPC is the only time you're going to get the value. That way, your operator can pull that and on cord and say, something's not right here, Mr. or Mrs. Engineer. Please come and take a look um, so we can get this back up and running. You know, and I think you bring. Uh, the other point is again when you know you brought the customer in picture. That's one thing I want to talk about a little bit. Also, is uh, the customers probably don't really care about the leading indicators. Right. Uh, so if you're if you ever you know if you're ever leading a project, if you're ever doing something that's involving a customer or that gets reported out to a customer, that might be a case where you need both a leading and a lagging indicator simultaneously. Uh, the leading indicator would be for your operations team or where you're going to make the improvement, but what you're presenting to the client, what you're trying to show the client, where you're focusing on might be your improvements that are being shown in the lagging indicators. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you, there are going to be many cases where, you know, what the client sees is going to be the outputs, but as internal fixes that you have to do or you need to improve, you're probably looking at leading leading metrics right yeah and that and that's true if not even just for customers but also if you're uh, reporting to executives like if you go to an executive um and uh say oh we're we're improving our you know training effectiveness and executive says uh why you know uh how's that going to put you know money in the shareholders pockets well it, it was determined that training effectiveness was the primary leading indicator to impact our, you know, plant plant yields, which is uh, impacting our uh, customer return rate. It is important, I think, on a, on a Six Sigma project, um, even though we are drilling down to leading indicators, um, they still have to translate into a business metric. Yep. Absolutely. And a financial metric. Let's drill your project metrics down to the process level, closer to the inputs, so as to measure leading indicators of success rather than long-term lagging business indicators. And that's just so that you can course correct uh, as quickly as possible rather than take a quarter or a month to uh, make any huge, huge changes. And, and it also is going to point out to you where are you in your process also. Are you, you know, safe? It's kind of like, you know, why do you want to measure your project and why do you want to do things? So, you know, this whole comes down to if you have a process, if you have a project, you need to be constantly measuring it. So if you have something that's going to indicate, is this process going in the direction where it should go? Is it ending up where it needs to be end up? If you have those metrics placed, these things would really, really help you become the ideal process or the best process you want to get to. That wraps it up. We'll keep this short and sweet. Keep it easy. Short and sweet. Well, it's good because the last few were a little longer. 
So this this way people can uh, enjoy the rest of their commute with some music. There you go. <laughs> Although I preferred hearing my voice than music. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, Jake, we're going to sign off there. All right, Aaron, have a good one. Thanks for listening to episode 13 of the E-Success Methods podcast. Stay tuned for episode 14, part 4 of 4, where we wrap up our Measure the Right Stuff series with project goal setting, the 70% rule of thumb. Don't forget to check out our website at www.e6s-methods.com. Journey through success.